Seinfeld, the contest is over and has been for quite some time, but we are just getting started on Seinfeld, the post-show recap, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who are always master of their domains. I am Rob Sister, and here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I'm doing great. This is very exciting. Akiva, are you ready? Are you, are you still master of your domain? I'm king of the castle. Are you lord of the manor? Um, well, I was going to say queen of the, but that doesn't really queen work. Queen of the castle. Yeah. Oh, boy. Akiva, when we started this Seinfeld podcast about a year ago, it's going to be a year ago next month, we said every week we're going to do one episode. Could you imagine the point that we got here to the contest? I mean, no. I, you know, who knew where we, where we would be a year from then? But I, I think, uh, you know, this is, uh, you know, it's quite an achievement. 50, was this episode 51? 51. Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all downhill after this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, this is really uh, amazing. I think it's almost uh, the first perfect episode that we've had of the show. And I also feel like it's the first fully formed episode. Like, you know, Elaine is the Elaine that we remember. Kramer's the Kramer we remember. George is the George we remember. We see George's mom for the first time. You know, I, I just feel like everything for the first time, it, we just hit on all cylinders. Yeah, and all three stories tie together beautifully at the end, which is, you know, what we what we eventually come to expect from every episode of Seinfeld. Yeah, it's just really uh, fantastic. I mean, I think that this is probably regarded by many as uh, one of the best episodes, if not the best episode of all time. I'm sure we will uh, touch on that debate and uh, get into that a little bit as well here today as we are talking about the contest from November 18th, 1992. Remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> well, yeah. Actually, I probably did not uh, watch it uh, when, you know, when I was nine. But uh, <laughs> Right, right. My, yeah. Actually, my favorite story from the contest, what, I, in high school, we went on some kind of uh, ski trip. And right. we stayed overnight in a lodge. And we watched, uh, you know, in syndication, we watched on Fox, the, um, this, you know, we were watching Seinfeld and this episode comes on. And we're, you know, and we're, what are we, like 14-year-old guys. We're like cracking up. We're falling on the floor. This episode, you know, is perfect for that. And my friend turns to me at the end of the episode. He's like, oh, man, that was so funny. But they never said what the contest was about. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) He he didn't quite know. He didn't quite know. But he was laughing. He was laughing with everybody else. He was laughing. He was laughing with us. Yes. Okay. All right. So uh, here is the contest. And uh, Kiva... Are you ready to jump right into this? You guys, you got news to talk about? What, what do you want to do? Yeah, I mean, I'll give you very quick news. Quick news. Yeah, this is a little strange. So uh, Jason Alexander said that, um, you know, he is responsible for discovering Taylor Swift. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, it sounds like, you know, it sounds weird. What's the connection between George and uh, Taylor Swift? So he told TMZ. He said that or she said that? No, he, oh, listen, <laughs> he said that it, it's weird. I, I'm not like a Taylor Swift fan, but I do feel like for work, I do sometimes have to come across like TMZ and E online type articles. And it does seem like there have been a hundred people who've taken credit for Taylor Swift. Like everyone wants to use that, but this is a little weird. So he said, not only is he a Swift fan, he put her in his, in her first video. He directed a video from Brad Paisley. The, I'm sure you're a big Brad right, Paisley fan. Right. The biggest probably. Um, and uh, and he to have, you know, for the background as a dancer, he picked Taylor Swift. So that was the first video she was ever in. And in that video, 
uh, his, Estelle Harris herself, who uh, we're going to meet for the first time today, uh, Mrs. Costanza, and uh, Putty are in that video also. So he said, it's on me. I don't have to take credit. I have it. Yeah. And uh, if you watch the inside looks with Jason Alexander, that sounds just about right. Yeah. He is always the hero of his story. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, everybody's the hero of their own narrative, a, a wise man has said. And so, um, what, can we see this video? Is it on YouTube or anything? Uh, the, the music video for Brad Paisley? Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. It's, uh, I think it's called... And, what's, and what is Estelle Harris and, and Putty doing? They're just like... You, it's a music video. Sometimes there's just like random guest stars. And it's, the video is called Online. Brad Paisley, the song is called Online. And are they just like dancing with him? Or is there like a story? No, there's... there's um, I, I think there's like some kind of... There's some kind of story. She's like at uh, some guy and she... I don't know. It's, you know, sometimes there's... They, you know... I don't know if they still do this as much in 2015, but people put a lot of money into music videos. <laughs> okay. And then they hire Jason Alexander to direct them. Yeah. What year was this made in? 2007. 2007. Okay. Boy, uh, I feel like that's a weird move to have Jason Alexander direct your music video. I think he's dabbled a little bit. and He did direct one episode of the show, right? Right. So, you know, he, uh, and listen, it's a, it's a Brad Paisley music video. <laughs> it wasn't like they were entrusting him with the seven Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> they should have. Even I, you know, I've never seen one at one second of Star Wars. Even I know not to do that. You know not to do that. Okay. <laughs> All right. And then is there anything else going on this week in Seinfeld news? No, I mean, we're talking about the contest. What could be more important? Let's get into talking about the contest. All right. Um, this is such a big episode. And I, I really feel like this is like an inflection point in the history of Seinfeld. You know, we're, we're talking as we go through this a bit of the evolution of Seinfeld, the show. I really feel like this is like just the line in the sand. Seinfeld has arrived after this. Absolutely. I mean, if you look at the episodes and listen, we've had some, uh, you know, here and there, we've had some real classics. But if you look at what comes right after this, you know, you know, the show's hitting their stride because right after the contest comes uh, the airport, the pick, uh, you know, the movie. We have, you know, the junior mints coming in a few episodes like it's just wall to wall, you know, uh, really memorable uh, stuff and it, and it really starts here. Yeah. You know, I feel like the idea of the contest just really encapsulates everything about Seinfeld. I mean, there's probably no better story than something that's, you know, represents a show about nothing than this. You know, there's not really any, you know, fantastic plot that's that's going on. It's sort of, you know, this bet that's made between these friends. Sure, you have John F. Kennedy Jr. in the mix and that's sort of out there. But I mean, this is kind of a story about nothing uh, that's here. And it's with all these all of these characters that are talking about this subject, which is taboo and also risque, but they don't ever do it in a way that is dirty. And I think that's one of the great things about the humor of Seinfeld, where it's talking about adult subject matters often, but never in a way that's dirty. And it really allows a lot of people to enjoy the show. Whereas there's a lot of different ways where you could talk about the show. Nobody ever calls Seinfeld a dirty show. Uh, no, definitely not. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't even, when they, when, you know, Seinfeld was on, they came out with the TV ratings. And I remember it was like a big deal if TV, if Seinfeld would even be TV 14 or if it would be TV PG. It wasn't, it was definitely not a dirty show. And I think, you know, looking at Curb Your Enthusiasm, if they do this episode um, on that show, they certainly say, they certainly say masturbation. They certainly, um, they, you know, they certainly go further 
than, you know, maybe they show the girl in the, uh, you know, in the, um, in the hospital room. Like they certainly go further, but I think you're right. The limitations that they have by being, you know, on at nine o'clock on a network uh, sitcom, they really were able to sort of uh, squeeze all the juice they could out of it. Yeah. I think that's something that's also magical about this marriage of Jerry and Larry, where I think that Larry is the off the wall idea, but the Jerry part of it is sort of the, you know, PG-ness of like being able to talk about this subject matter in a way that's not dirty. Jerry is never going to have a swear word in his, in his act. You know, he's never going to have anything that is particularly obscene in, you know, anything that he is saying. So to have the sort of marriage of these two, uh, this like fire and ice coming together, that's what makes this perfect storyline in this show. Yeah, you're, I have it actually in my notes. Yeah, Jerry is Jerry never really gets called a PG comic, but he certainly is, right? I, right. You know, you can't really count the amount of times you've heard him curse. Certainly he works never in his clean. Act. He always works clean. He works clean. You know, sometimes there'll be a guy like Brian Regan who works clean, but everyone calls him a clean comic. But Jerry really never discusses it. Nobody even asks him. Um, but he, you know, he, he really is. And, and obviously Larry's not. And they sort of meet in the middle here and it's beautiful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else about the contest uh, just to set the stage before we get into it? Yeah, I mean, so just to, you know, I guess to give background on the episode. So, you know, it wins an Emmy for uh, Larry wins his first Emmy for writing um, for this episode. And, uh, you know, I believe Larry wrote this episode himself. Also, uh, you know, just to give you an idea of how well regarded it is, um, you know, the IMDb, I was looking at the rankings of all of every episode. And um, I think the second highest is a Super Nazi, which flirts between like a 9.1 and 9.2. The contest is at 9.6 out of 10, which is higher than any movie ever made. 9.6 out of 10. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, it's uh, the, you know, higher, literally higher than any movie ever made. The highest rating I've ever seen on IMDb. So it's universally um, uh, beloved. Uh, and then TV Guide. Uh, I remember when, you know, our beloved TV Guide that we always talk about. Uh, when they did a... <laughs> Evolution of in, TV in, Guide. In the 90s, uh, in Hammer Time, they did a list of the top 10 episodes of all time. And uh, The Boyfriend was Seinfeld's representative. It wasn't number one. It was somewhere in the top 10. But in 2009, uh, Seinfeld did a top 10. Uh, excuse me. TV Guide did a top 10 episodes of all time list. Uh, all time. Not just Seinfeld episodes, of course. That's every television show ever made. And the contest was number one ever. Yeah. Would you like to guess uh, any of the other uh, nine on the list? Uh, could you give me the show and I could see if I could get the Yeah, episode? I guess that makes sense. Okay. All right, number two was The Sopranos. Boy, uh, best soprano, Pine Barrens. Uh, it's a good guess, but it was uh, college was the answer. College, yeah. I'm so-so on that. Okay, but that's fine. Hey, for some reason, people like that, but yeah, Pine Barrens is generally considered the best. Because Tony the kills the guy and it's yes. the first time. Uh, Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, uh, the clown episode? Yes, the Chuckles Clown. Very famous episode. I Love Lucy. Chocolate Factory? Uh, Vitamita Vegemin. Okay. Could have gone either uh, way. Lo- lost? Um, boy, uh, uh, with, uh, I guess you could go a couple different ways on this. Uh, the lock in the, with the wheelchair. What is that yeah, called? A lot walk of about? Have walk about. A lot of people do, would have walk about, but they just did the pilot, which the I think pilot. makes sense. Okay. And the pilot's a movie. It's a major motion. It's picture, a movie. Basically. Uh, ER. Were you an ER guy? No. 
So it was an episode called Love's Labor Lost. I'm not familiar with it. Honeymooners. Did you watch the Honeymooners? I've never seen it. I've I've seen it. I, I there's not one that I could uh, tell you what is the best Honeymooners episode. Yeah, so it's called Better Living Through TV. Mad Men number eight. Uh, best Mad Men episode on the list. <sighs> what? Um, boy, what do people say is the best Mad Men episode? Is it the uh, like the season one finale? Well, I, I don't know. What's it's the, called what's Nixon called? versus Canada. Oh, uh, Nixon versus Canada. No, that's like that's like tenth or eleventh episode. And then All in the Family, which I've also never seen. Cousin Maud's visit. Cousin Maud's visit. No, I don't. And I don't. then number ten, uh, twenty-four. Best episode twenty-four. Boy, yeah. um, do they just like do a cop out and it's just the premiere? Yep, they did a cop yep. and they did a premiere. Yeah, which if I remember wasn't even one episode. Like they 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 filmed they did like two you know two hours I think two nights in a row. So yeah, it wasn't even didn't even air like that. Okay. But yeah. <laughs> All right, there you the go. Best episode in television history, Rob. All right, well, it really is like a perfect script in that there's nothing wasted here. Like we've talked a lot about in episodes like, oh yeah, the Jerry story is funny, but the George story doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't pay off. And we've also talked about a lot like with these scripts. Like, this is the first time where everything ties up together. Like this is to me, like I feel like the first time we've talked about where, you know, people are doing their own different things, but all these storylines do end up like have this one overarching story which is all tied together and then especially at the end where john f kennedy is going to go off with marla at the end and elaine and jerry's two stories really intersect but they all have the storyline of that they're all trying to win this contest and they're all becoming increasingly irritable throughout the episode it's it's just so perfect uh yeah i i you know we're uh, nitpickers are us over here it would be interesting to see if, if we anything. even have one if we have one complaint about this episode okay all right. Did you watch any of the deleted scenes also? Yeah, I watched the deleted scenes. Um, they were deleted for a reason. I think yes. this episode would no, not have been a 9.6 with those deleted scenes. Right. They made the right calls. Okay. So let's jump into this. The stand-up starts off where Jerry talks about how nobody likes to imagine their parents having sex and he would be happy if he found out he was adopted because then it could mean potentially that his parents were just good friends. Yeah, I had a friend who was adopted uh, and he would make jokes like that. Uh, <laughs> Growing up that, not, not, you know, not that not about his parents, more about like, you know, like because I don't think he knew his mom. So he would always kind of just like guess, like, wish you just like a teenager who had like one fun night and that's how he was born. Well, that sounds hilarious. Well, I mean, if I said it, I think <laughs> I'd get in trouble. But he said it. <laughs> so, he, so he would say to you here, let me be, you be him. I'll be you. Uh, Akiva, do you know I'm adopted? Oh, okay. well, uh, um. What, what do you say? You say, um, like, uh, like, oh, that's interesting. I mean, that must have been uh, a difficult experience to go through. Yeah, I don't know who my mom is, but uh, I, I, I hear she's just some like uh, girl in high school who, you know, got drunk on a Saturday night. And, you know, I was just made in like the back of her car. <laughs> <laughs> is that, that's like what he says. I think it was probably more graphic than that. He was an interesting guy. <laughs> Wow. Uh, can we get this guy on the podcast? I, I haven't, you know, he hasn't spoken to me. This is a whole story for not during the contest. I could tell you another. <laughs> I, I, you know, like, I don't know how many people in the world are like not speaking to me, but this guy, I think if you saw him in the street, would not speak. Uh, this and is like your crazy Joe Davola? A, a little bit. I mean, maybe I'm his crazy Joe Davola. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't think I've spoken to him in like 16, 17 years. <laughs> all right <laughs> so we the episode starts in the diner there's gonna be a very iconic scene that happens in the diner and it starts off where there's a little bit of small talk banter elaine is talking about if you're a captured prisoner do they do your laundry 
Have you ever thought about they, this? I, yeah, I never thought about it, but it's a brilliant question. I, I think they probably do just because otherwise you'd smell too much, right? They have to smell you. Well, right. If you're just tied up somewhere, like if they tie up your your hands and stuff, like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what you do. It's probably not a pleasant thing to think too much about. I mean, I, you know, I've read a lot of books about like people who, you know, let's say they got held hostage in like Afghanistan or something like that. And a lot of times you're living in a house with the terrorists. So they're not going to want you to smell up their house. Right. So you're sort of like a pet to them and they're going to try to actually take good care of you, especially if they want to get like a ransom. They got to keep like you looking like somewhat presentable in that video. Right. I guess yeah, not I mean, too presentable because then good care of you. Right. But, I, you know, I do think that, listen, there's a Geneva Convention, right? <laughs> According to the Geneva Convention. Okay. So George comes in and we're going to get into, you know, some of the most famous dialogue in the history of the show. And uh, George has a, uh, a very, I think, iconic line about this. Uh, what, what does he say, Akiva? He comes into the diner and he says, my mother caught me. <laughs> and, you know, it's going to be hard for me to just go through this without just doing the dialogue. But yeah, it is hard. I think the good episodes are hard. Is, is this a safe for, worst for work podcast, Rob? I feel like with this podcast, I feel like I try to run this, this podcast and all my podcasts for the most part. I mean, at least, at least in the way that I talk, you know, I, I let the, the guests on my podcast, like talk however they want. I don't want to re- restrict them too much. I sort of give them the guidelines and if they feel the need to go outside of the color outside of those lines. I don't stop them. But I feel like between you and I, I feel like that we can constrain ourselves within the rules of Seinfeld. Yeah, for sure. So it's it. So is it safe for work? I feel like just about every one of these podcasts that we've done have been safe for work. Let's say you're like a school bus driver and you drive little kids to school. Are we singing the wheels on the bus like Jerry? Well, no, like you have. Can you have this podcast playing on the bus? Um, <laughs> I th- I think so. I mean, I think if, especially if you have headphones on, I think that'd be fine. Well, can you <laughs> drive a bus with headphones on that? You could probably get in trouble for get that. In trouble for, for that. Podcast. Yeah, well. Look, we will do our best to uh, make make sure. But maybe if you're driving around, you know, small children, you could get fired for this. You know, I don't want to have that kind of pressure on me. No, don't get fired for this podcast. <laughs> Definitely not. Don't get fired. All right. So it comes up that George has been caught by his mom uh, doing what? You know. <laughs> And they're like looking at him and he's like, I was all alone. <laughs> and there's, there's a recognition that they're all laughing at him. And, you know, this is a, like, I feel very fun that we're like finding out this information with them and we're all laughing too. Like, it's like, we're all like seemingly at this table with these people, like laughing along and hearing this story. Right. And we always talk about the differences between like seeing you know, sometimes we see the crazy thing. Sometimes it's just Kramer or George repeating what happened. But here it's clearly perfect. Yeah. And so <laughs> George got caught that he thought his mom was going to be out for the day and he had to drop off the car and his mom had a glamour magazine and he started going through it again. So, so hilarious uh, that the thing that ends up getting George in trouble is a glamour magazine. Yeah, I mean, it's more embarrassing than getting caught is being caught. Even just reading Glamour magazine is more important. Yeah, that he was like something caught his eye. And so it turns out that, you know, one thing led to another, which I always like that phrase. And then his mom walks in 
and screams, uh, my God. And George is faced with a decision, Akiva. What, what does George have to decide? I mean, there's not much of a decision here, right? But <laughs> right, George has to decide between zipping up or uh, going to help his mother who's about to fall. <laughs> so really, in that scenario, the better of those two outcomes is letting your mom fall and go into the hospital? Well, let's put ourselves in, in Estelle's shoes here, Rob. What would you rather? Hmm, I feel like I'd rather not fall. I guess if you're like an old lady, but I, I'd rather I don't not know. go to the hospital. She might have to go to the hospital for other reasons if he catches her. <laughs> How much worse would the emotional trauma be than falling on the floor if you had to weigh them out? We're talking about a crazy person, so it can go either way, right? Like it could, this could really mess her up or because she's crazy, like she would, might not even notice and she'd brush it off. Yeah. Like, I mean, I imagine that he was like be wearing like some sort of like a, sh- a button down shirt that you would think would cover uh, a lot and maybe... Um, it might be like his mom fell on the floor. She got hurt. She went to the hospital. Like, I don't know how that's the better scenario. And also like how close to her was he that he could have caught her? I don't, you know, I'm not so sure that to run across the room. Yeah. I mean that, you know, if she's falling, she's going to fall. Like, I don't know how much time he has to make this decision. Okay. All right. So anyway, uh, she falls falls on the floor and is just uh, screaming out uh, my back. Uh, my back, and she's in traction now. Uh, you know, I haven't heard the word traction outside of this in many years. Does it still exist even? I don't even know what traction is. What is that like when they like, it's it's something to do with your back? You throw your back out, you go into traction? Yeah, I think you throw your back and you like, you can't move at all. You know, I, I it just seems like a 90s sitcom thing. Like, are people still in traction? I'm not sure if people, maybe we, did we find the cure to traction? <laughs> do you think, was there a Jonas Salk of traction? Did we cure traction? I hope well, so. Even if we cured it, I'm sure the anti-tractioners uh, will bring it back. Are there anti-vaxxer traxers? Can you I, I, listen, uh, Jenny McCarthy? If she <laughs> finds out that a kid was in traction, you know. <laughs> all right. <laughs> There's a traction point. Traction is a set of mechanisms for straightening broken bones or relieving pressure on the skeletal system. Okay, that's good. That's good that um, we yeah, now I know. I just think modern medicine is probably passed by traction. You think there's less people in traction? I don't, I don't know if there's anybody in traction. <laughs> wow. If you or someone you know has been in traction, let us know. Let us know. Um, there's a point where Jerry just blurts back out, like in the middle of the story, like glamour. Like I like that. <laughs> I feel like that's like a real thing that like you wouldn't normally see in a script. Like, you know, he just goes back to the first part of the story. It would be my question. Like, you know, that's absurd. Like he, li- he lives there, right? Like, no, he doesn't live there. But why, like why, you know, I don't know. Glamour. Yeah, I, I hear what Jerry's saying. <laughs> anyway, so that the whole ride to the hospital, she was just like, uh, why, George? Why? Uh, and his response was, because it's there. <laughs> Famous line. That's great. That's great. And George says uh, the thing that gets us into this whole mess in this episode. He says, uh, well, I'll tell you this. I am never doing that again. And everybody has disbelief. Yeah, there's like gasps. Yes. Uh, and he, he qualifies that uh, not just at my mom's house, all together. All together. That was a very bold statement from George. It's a very bold statement and really a very rash decision, you would think. I mean, listen, he, he's had a stressful day. He got caught by his mom. She's in the hospital. He's going to have to go visit her, which is a pain for him. Like, you know, he's in bad, he's in bad shape right now. Yeah. Okay. And so Jerry is like, yeah, right. Uh, you know, Kramer's like, you can't stop. 
And George is saying that he certainly can. Jerry says, uh, I think I could last longer than you. And George, uh, George wants to make it interesting. Yeah, George says, care to make it interesting. And here we go. And now we're signing money to this. $100. Okay, we've talked about this before in 1992 terms. That's about $160 in 2015 money. Akiva, this is a lot of money on the line. It's a lot of money for an unemployed guy to bet on some throwaway bet at the, you know, at lunch. Yeah, this is like a, some sort of like, you know, fantasy football league uh, prize pot that you'd be winning. Yeah, I mean, my fantasy football league is only $50 a person still. I mean, the total amount of money in the pool is $450. I mean, in, you know, doing the conversion, that's what, like 600 bucks at this point in time. So, yeah, I mean, George, who, you know, who needs the money more than, well, I guess Kramer needs the money a lot too, yeah. but he's not going to win. You know, George should be motivated if for nothing else to uh, get the money. I mean, this could be good stakes. I'm surprised that more people in 2015 aren't getting into uh, fantasy contests with their friends. You know, put up $100 and win 500 I think at this time, people were having contests. You think, you think so? You think this inspired a lot of contests? I think it's over now, but I think in the early 90s, like these types of things, or even like, I mean, first, you know, those types of, of contests or, or just any type of contest, I think it became very popular. Are you surprised at this point in time that we are not seeing more of these things uh, pop up a la like a DraftKings, like we could hear DraftKings.com. Uh, they've got a new contest going up uh, <laughs> just for one dollar. Get in. PGA Tour. <laughs> yeah, get it. Get in. Go up against 1000 people for the chance to win. Uh, if you could hold out the longest, or I, I guess they, they do like daily. So I guess if anybody goes out, daily, that day, it, oh, it's a daily contest. Yeah, it's daily. Like so uh, it's like uh, half the people get their money back. Half don't one of those leagues. <laughs> yeah, I think 50, so. It's like 50 a 50. League. It's like a 50 50. So half the people that they go out and then that's it. And then there's out of the contest. Is this an honor system contest? Because I'm not sure, you know, the lawyers are going to sign off on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's no daily commitment. Just every day you get into a new, a new contest. I mean, I think anything that don't, has the honor Don't be in a contest is- for weeks and weeks with your friends. You could get <laughs> daily contests. I was thinking like DraftKings.com. Kind of yeah. I don't want, I don't want to be weird. Not this type of contest. I think we have to have a different type of contest. <laughs> Who, me and you? Yeah. What kind of contest do you want to have? All right. So, I, you know, I, well, I mean, obviously, if we were going to put up $100, I'd say who could go the next week without podcasting? Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. How about this? Who leaves their house the least in the next week? So you want to have a contest to see who could not leave? Yeah. Who, who leaves their house the fewest times? Okay. Well, this is a bad week for me to do that because I would be happy to do this contest uh, against you yes. at some point that I just, okay, that this, so let's, this let's week is hold. bad. My, bro- my brother I, is coming to visit this weekend. Okay. So, so I can't tell him a week that this pick, would now be pick the week. Okay. <laughs> I, this would be the point where I'm just like, you know, just disowned from my family where uh, my well, brother comes to funny. visit and Maybe I'm like the perfect week. Right. And I'm like, uh, he's like, hey, what's going on? Because my brother's like nine years younger than me. And he and he's, you know, lives on Long Island. And he's he's like, uh, like, hey, what are we doing? What are we going to hey, like? What's going on here? Are we having fun. We're going to are we going out? We're going to get dinner. Let's do something. And I'm like, uh, you know, Dan, I'm in a contest right now and I can't leave the house. Like, what do you mean you're in a contest? Yeah, I have to stay in the house longer than somebody else that I made a bet with uh, for a hundred dollars. 
<laughs> and then like uh, my mom is going to call up on the phone like, uh, what are you, why, why aren't you leaving the house? Why, why is your brother telling me that he, he won't do anything with him? He flew all the way out there to see you. Like, mom, I'm trying. I'm in a contest. <laughs> She'd rather you be in uh, this kind of contest. <laughs> right. Well, I think everybody would probably rather that. But I, yeah, I think. Um, but I, but yeah, when I right, tell so Nicole about week, this bro. contest, she would probably rather I was in the first contest. The oh, original. Sure. Contest. I, yeah. So you pick the week, you know, you could, you know, call your shot and I will, I will take you down. All right. Sometime this summer. Okay. Perfect. Sometime this summer. And this could probably is going to be, instead of me getting kicked out of my family, this will probably be the, uh, in the divorce papers. Okay. <laughs> so it's like, uh, well, listen, this, you know, this episode certainly is a major factor at the, uh, at the final trial in the finale, right? Because Marla is a major witness. So, you know, same thing with you. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. All right. Exhibit B. <laughs> so there's a lot of money on the line here. Um, you know, it's a hundred dollars to win a potentially $600 prize, which we will find out much down the road that George ultimately was the person who won this. And so they're going to get into the contest. And uh, so a hundred dollars a person Kramer wants in on this too. Jerry says, you'll be out before the check comes. Uh, yeah, which uh, proves uh, prescient. Yes, yes. Not quite. <laughs> you'll be out before we get the check, but uh, not In the amount of after. time it would take to get the check. Yeah. Okay. Elaine wants it. Okay, so I have, I have more problems and, com- and comments about this than anything that's happened in the four seasons of the show so far. Okay, right? this might be, yeah, this might be the thing that we might uh, nitpick. Elaine wants in. They want to give her odds. And right. So she, right. Kramer says a thousand, right? Yeah. I think they start off talking about 200 first that she okay. should have to do 200 and Kramer wants a thousand. Elaine settles at one fifty, and they're fine with this. They're fine with this. Uh, well, they start to fight her a bit about this and then why not? Because you're a woman. And then uh, Jerry says, you know, it's easier for a woman not to do it than a man. And Jerry says, it's, uh, we have to do it. It's part of our lifestyle. It's like shaving and which Elaine resorts. Well, I shave my legs. Right. And he says, not every day. Kramer does. Yes. <laughs> but he does it like with like a mouthful of food. Like it's very, it's a great read of that line that he's just like, not every day. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was probably like take 40 and he was actually eating. <laughs> yeah. He's Kramer. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so George wants two to one. He wants two hundred dollars, and she gets in for one fifty. This is the steal of the century to me. That Elaine gets in the contest at one fifty. Okay, so here's what I I, I wrote emails to a few people um, before we did this. Kind of you know people who know gambling, people who know Seinfeld. What should the odds really have been? Kramer's odds. Kramer. What? No, Elaine's odds. No, what Kramer suggested ten to one. Elaine should have had to put in $1,000 to win the contest. Well, but I'm saying I think it should be a lot higher. You think it should be even higher? Yeah, because, okay, so here's who Elaine is in the contest with. She's a lady. She's in the contest with two single men and a guy dating a virgin. Right. Okay. Elaine is a woman. This contest is not going to last long. I think Elaine's odds need to be somewhere in the 75 to 100 to one ballpark. Now it's just so easy for her to win. She, Elaine should be putting up seven, eight, nine thousand dollars for this contest. Now, is this because Elaine is a woman? Are you factoring in Elaine, that the amount of sponges that Elaine needs? Yeah, it's because Elaine is a woman. First of all, if she was so desperate, 
you know, it's much easier for Elaine as we like, see. Are you factoring into does Elaine's libido have anything to do with your calculations? Because I would yep. think that from what we know about Elaine, that she is a very uh, active woman. That's true. But Sexually. George is stuck. George just got broken up, you know, in a long term relationship. So he is not he is, you know, he's got no prospects on the horizon. Mm-hmm. Kramer's got nobody. And Jerry has a girlfriend and he's not sure it's ever going to happen. Right. See, I also think that the girlfriend loophole should have been factored into this. Like it, it's not a even playing field if, you know, Jerry can go and, you know, have some relations with the virgin and you know alleviate that tension from the contest like i don't think that it should be a the 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 contest should be abstinence yeah so jerry should yeah i i i I mean i hadn't thought about this but that's not fair this is brilliant yeah that's not fair it should be a no sexual release contest you shouldn't be able to go and you know if, if you go into this sort of a contest with your friends then you can't go and, you know, be with your wife and still be in the contest. Like that's, that's not fair. Yeah. A hundred percent. I mean, Elaine, as we see, she could just go to the gym, find some hot guy and her problems are solved. You know, George, that could take him a year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. So I feel like that that is a loophole that needs to be sewn up in this contest. Let me tell you, Rob, when we get Jerry on this podcast, we're really going to hammer him on this, yep. on this uh, bet. Hey, Jerry, what's going on? Rob Sisterino here with uh, Akiva Winokur. Uh, we're very happy to have you on the show. Um, most Seinfeld fans agree uh, the contest is the finest shining hour of the show. Um, did you guys ever talk about that in the contest, how it wasn't fair if Jerry was going to get to have sex with the Virgin, if that would have been a loophole that should have been worked out in the details of the contest? We need to get a dial yes, tone sound yes, drop. Uh, stuff. Uh, I gotta go. Okay. All right. Thanks. I think we need a dial tone sound drop. <laughs> I'll work on that for next week. But I, I do think, I, I, but you agree. The, the odds are, I mean, I hadn't thought of the Jerry thing, but Elaine's odds need to be drastically higher. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I feel like a thousand dollars, a thousand to win. I guess this is for 350 for Elaine. A thousand into win three fifty. You think it should be even higher? Much higher, I think. What? Give me a number. Well, I, I think she should have. If they're all putting in a hundred dollars, I think she should have to put in seven grand. Seven grand. Yeah, seventy to one. Seventy. It, there's seven no grand to win three fifty. Wow. For a hundred different reasons, it's so much easier for them to lose than for her to lose. Again. I think it, this is a, this probably depends uh, on the woman. I, I'm just basing this on, like, I don't want to put out a blanket statement because she's a woman, that, that, that's what it should be. I feel like you have to factor in Elaine and her appetite for this sort of a thing. And we just don't have that information to be able to make that distinction. That's true. That's true. But again, because there are loopholes and she can avoid them, for seven we don't grand. know what Elaine's frequency is prior to this. Well, I uh, listen, just add it. Can you, can you right now add that to the list? Ask Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, <laughs> the character of Elaine, is it, is it canon exactly what <laughs> <laughs> we just don't know. It's 1992. 
We don't know what the did, that, did ladies do that a lot less back then. I w- like I feel like it was probably I, I would imagine the f- the frequency of the, like you know I feel like things are more talked about and more open. In, I, I feel mean, we like don't know. Well, we were just kids then. Like maybe everyone was having fun and we just didn't know about it. I feel like the attitudes have shifted. We're living in a post Sex in the City world. Oh feel like that there are things I mean, we're, we haven't seen it so technically we're still pre-sex in the city right and i feel like I mean, unless you've seen it in which case yeah, <laughs> hang up <laughs> uh what's seen sex in the city yes i've seen a lot of sex in the city you watch the movies i i, I think i saw the first movie oh boy yeah but not in the theater or anything like that oh you didn't pay for it right right it was okay. just it was just on at one point i'll give you a, a pass yeah and also yeah i, I would i would bet that the number the number of women who uh, do that sort of thing is probably higher in 2015 than it was in 1992. I'm going to Google that when my wife is not home. <laughs> <laughs> and in incognito mode. <laughs> For a variety of reasons, which we don't need For to many, get into. many reasons. Yes. And I'm talking about that. Well, I'm talking about the, to back up my, to back up my claims. I think for a variety of reasons, which we don't, we don't need to explore either. I don't want that on my Google. You know what we have on our Google now? I'm sh- you know, because besides incognito we- mode. Well, that actually, that would be good. Maybe that might have to be our uh, hashtag for the week. But I, I think, you know, last week we did the, the episode, the Virgin, right? Right. So now when you Google uh, Rob Sesternino, Akiva Wienicker Virgin, something shows up. <laughs> Do you think, do you think before this, do you think if you Googled your name, cause I'm, who am I? I'm nobody. And your name and virgin, some, something would show up. Oh yes, definitely. Yeah. I, I, so I, I did Google it. Yes. Yeah. So it was someone on survivor sucks calling you a virgin. Right, right. right. That's <laughs> this, that would have been my first guess. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Listen, don't nobody accuse me of not doing research before this podcast. Yeah. Fantastic researcher. Okay. So Everybody puts their pinkies in and we get this very famous uh, pinky swear. I saw a trailer this week for Seinfeld on Hulu. This was one of the, uh, you know, big shots in the trailer was this pinky swear. Yeah, there's an iconic moment. I'm sure like when they shot pinky swear. Yeah. When they do like the highlights of a hundred, like this is how it ends. Probably. Right. Probably. I don't remember. Big pinky swear. Okay. So we go from the diner and we go to uh, George and Jerry and George is on the phone with his mom and Mrs. Costanza, Estelle, she wants George to see a psychiatrist. We hear of the phone. Yeah, I mean, I, I, she's, you know, she's very old fashioned, Mrs. Costanza. Yes. Come on. And there's a funny moment between George and Jerry of where George says, you know, if everybody did that, who did that had to go see a psychiatrist. And Jerry's yeah, like, I mean, yeah. yeah, I do like when they're like when they beat right when they beat around the bush with this stuff. But I, I think, uh, you know, it's like everyone. Yeah, it would be that would be a very profitable business. <laughs> Whatever. OK, so much of psychiatrist talk in season four of Seinfeld. Yeah, I mean, uh, not as much as Is that. Why crazy Joe Devola had to go to see Dr. Reston. You think his so? mom you sent him there? A normal guy who just his mom caught him. Uh, his mom said he had to go see Dr. Reston. No, he was not a normal guy. OK, but what is he doing in that dark room? I mean, I think we just figured it out, Rob. Okay. <laughs> so Elaine buzzes. She's coming up. Uh, we get a little bit of a check-in about dating the Virgin. And uh, Jerry describes how this is going as he has his troops amassed along the border. And he's just waiting for the go-ahead. I mean, she's really stringing him along this, Marla. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And again, we talked about this last week on the podcast when we talked about the Virgin. And if somebody's just listening to this, because it's the contest episode, if you want to hear that, we talked about in the Virgin episode about how there's really no rhyme or reason why Marla seems to be a virgin other than I guess she just hasn't met the right guy because within 10 minutes of meeting John F. Kennedy Jr., she's no longer a virgin. <laughs> it's a, right? I Isn't that so weird? It is a little weird. But listen, are you going to turn down JFK Jr.? Yeah, JFK Jr., you know, he he had it good when he had it. I Oh, is this episode? Attack, is well, I think so. I think it was probably, you know, um, relatively easy. I mean, the guy was a very, very handsome guy. He had the right last name, certainly uh, had all sorts of fame. Does anything get taken away from this episode for you by the tragic death of John F. Kennedy Jr.? No, I'll be honest. No, one, he's not shown in the episode, which they I think they do a really good job of, you know, making you believe that he's in this world, even though we're never going to see John John. Right. Mm hmm. Um, I don't listen. People die. There's lots of people on this show that die. It doesn't bum you out at all. I don't think. Listen, maybe someone who was a little older than us, who was very Kennedy obsessed, um, you know, maybe that would. But I listen. Uh, uh, people die. I, 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 you know, it was after the show was over already. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it. It for me, it doesn't impact one, one bit. Yeah, it's just like that. He died a young guy. It was sort of like a very tragic, sudden. Yeah, thing. but listen, he, he's, he lives on on Seinfeld. <laughs> I guess and so. I don't mean that I don't mean that in like a in like a like a bad way like he's in you know in addition to I'm sure he accomplished many other things but like you know he's in the most famous episode his uh, you know in is still with us is what you're saying yeah and he and he um you know who knows you know people more people know JFK Jr. from Seinfeld probably than almost anything else I think you are definitely wrong about that well and wait hold on and Rob and Rob <laughs> he also you know, he's not exactly portrayed negatively in this episode. <laughs> no, he's for, so we're, positive. We, he gets the winners at it. Winners at it. Okay. So we're good for good for uh, JFK Jr. here. <laughs> All right. So um, we are introduced to the woman across the way who is naked. Now, Akiva, uh, people who have listened to a lot of my podcasts uh, know that for quite some time in one of my old apartments, I used to live across from a woman who would also frequently be naked. Why'd you move? <laughs> uh, you know, I think the trick was, and again, that I don't know how many people like I lived like, like the buildings were sort of close to each other. And I don't know how if anybody, if anybody else could see in there, I like, I don't know if like either the, the woman just didn't care, but like, my window was probably, it was probably like 30 feet in between buildings. Like it was not, it was not far away. And so like the buildings were sort of like right up against each other. So I don't know if she felt like, well, nobody else can see whatever. But the other thing was that I had like this uh, heat reflective tape. And I don't know if you could see, I don't know if she could see in to my window. Did she, did she ever see you staring? Did you ever make eye contact? No, no, we never, we never did because like um, either she just didn't care or she couldn't see us. And we, we never found that out. Would your, did your wife care about this? Did she like ask you to close the blinds or she didn't care? No, she didn't really. She didn't really care. There was a lot of times like where we would actually be podcasting in that room. Like that was where we did the podcast. And a lot of times we were doing the podcast, like both of us would be in there. And then just, she would just like come home from work and just like take her clothes off. Yeah. All right. So listen, I, she sounds like the type of person who might not uh, care. Yeah. I mean, this was not a Victoria's Secrets model. Okay. 
You know, she was not going to be in Glamour magazine at any point. Yeah, I think uh, she was probably cool with it then. Yeah, I think so. Whatever. But there was like there was times like it wasn't just that she was naked. Like she had male suitors over a couple times. Did she ever close the blinds or this is like it was an open, open season? Yeah. <laughs> um, sometimes I think there was uh, sometimes that she did have the blinds closed. There were uh, times that she had the blinds closed. Uh, and Akiva one time. Yeah, I saw. I don't know if she, she was in the contest. <laughs> I, I, yes, I saw her. I saw her lose a contest one time. Oh, boy. Yeah, she didn't even know she was in a contest. Didn't even know that she must. She was out seven thousand dollars after that. Did night. she lose the contest thirty seconds before you lost the contest? <laughs> no, no, I was not. I was not in. I was not in the contest. Like, uh, okay. you know, the thing. One of the things about Jerry, and maybe one of the things that doesn't hold up, is like, uh, what what goes on in the apartment where where Jerry's like looking out the window and something like that. I guess this is like what you did before there was an internet. You know, before there was incognito mode, Akiva. Uh, yeah. Then this was like all you had. Yeah, I, I think uh, you have to hope you know, somebody right. from like you know a, a, across the street might get naked. It's this or Glamour magazine in 1992. Right, right, and so I think that speaks to the climate in 1992 as opposed to where you know you, we have coffee on demand, we have uh, anything on demand in 2015. Yeah, but no neighbors. <laughs> no, you don't have neighbors on demand. That's like sort of like Haley's comet. But for a yeah, couple of months, I think if you, I think you could, you could keep chasing that dragon moving from house to house, but I'm not <laughs> sure that's going to happen again. Yeah. All right. So they say maybe she's a nudist uh, and they talk about, you know, these nudist colonies, uh, the chambermaid is naked. It's one big nudorama at a nudist colony. That's such a nineties phrase. <laughs> nudorama or nudist I colony. Guess. Just adding Rama to anything. <laughs> Why have you heard the phrase nudorama before? No, but I feel like there was a lot of like something aramas in the nineties and that doesn't exist anymore. Like dioramas. Well, that's diorama. I, I don't know if that's the same root word. <laughs> okay. Very quickly after diagnosing the woman across the street, Kramer leaves. And what do you think of the way that Kramer sneaks off? He seems uh, bothered. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no mention in the show. The first time you watch the episode, do you know what's going on with Kramer? I mean, I'd have to put myself back in an 11 year old. Put mindset. yourself in the mindset of somebody who's watching this episode for the first time. Do you know instantly what's going on with Kramer? I, I do think it's a little bit telegraphed, but I'm sure when I was a kid, I didn't notice it. But I think a astute observer watches it and notices the first time. So, so he, he ends up leaving and he's out of the scene for a little while. All right. Uh, Elaine ends up coming upstairs. She wants her money. She wants to know who is out of the contest. How much time has passed between the coffee shop scene and this part of the contest? Uh, that's a good question. I'm going to say this is the next day. The next day. Okay. Because not that much time must have passed, but you know, they were all together at the coffee shop. It doesn't make any, it can't be right after. You know, it's, it's probably the next day. Okay. So then they're all standing there and there's a lot of fun moments in this episode that are sort of like the way that the men are dealing with like, you know, the distractions of seeing women naked or anything sexy and people are like trying to talk to them and you just can't get their attention. We're going to see a lot of that with George and his mom at the hospital, but Elaine is trying to get the guy's attention and they're just like completely staring at the woman across the street. Uh, Elaine is saying that she's going to be going into space soon. Yeah, I mean, right. Anything she says, they're not going to hear. I do think at this point, Elaine becomes like a zillion to one favorite. Elaine may have paid this lady to do this. Oh, that would be good. She could split the money with her. 
That's not a bad idea. Okay. So uh, Kramer comes back in and we have this very famous scene. He uh, puts his money on the table. I'm out. Yeah, it's iconic. You know how many seconds it was between when he slammed the door and he, and he opened the door? How many seconds? 53 seconds. 53 seconds. Wow. Yeah. It feels like longer, but uh, it was enough time for him. Wow. And he had his money in his hand. He was ready to go. Yeah. Boy, do, uh, what do you think? Do you think he had the money aside? Did he have to go like flip through his wallet? Did he just have that kind of cash I on think, him? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, he was out of this so quick. He probably had 520s uh, rolled up in his pocket. I feel like in 1992, he had more cash in the house. Why is that though? Because there was no ATM. And also you can't pay for things online. Yeah, you can't pay for things online. You didn't have a debit card. You had a credit card, but not like you were borrowing that money. Now, How much cash do you usually carry around? Zero dollars. You carry around no cash? None. I mean, sometimes I might have like a 20 on me. You can credit card valet stuff in LA? I don't go anywhere, Kiva. Like, uh, oh, like, so, but what is a going some, person? What is like someone who leaves the house? What I is, have no idea. Does your wife carry around money with her? I think she might. She, like, she has like eight dollars. Yeah, I like to carry around like 40, 50 bucks. Wow. I feel like. Look at you. <laughs> oh my God. High roller. My, High roller Winnaker. My dad has a friend. $50 on an honest person at all times. My dad is a friend. Well, that's the max. That's the max. A lot of times I don't have any, but sometimes I'll go out and I'm like, oh, man, I wish I had like just some cash because I don't know, someone to like ask you for like charity or something. And you're like, I don't have. And you seem like a cheapskate, but really you just have zero. What are you going to give them your credit card? Yeah. Like, no, that's but, ideal. You know. That's how, that's how you want to be like, home, you know, homeless people are asking like, like uh, I've only got credit cards. So that's why you don't carry any money. To avoid homeless people? No, it's just that if I have if I have any money, my wife just takes it. So if I don't have anything, then she can't. Oh, she's take like, it. oh, I'm borrowing thirty bucks. Yeah, she's like, do you have any money? I have to give this person. I have to give this babysitter money. It's like, oh, and no. you keep tabs on that and say like, hey, where's that seventy five bucks you borrowed from me? I mean, it's not borrowing. It's I mean, it's our money. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, she's gonna say, if anything, she's gonna say like, oh, you did, you need to give me more money. You said you were going to also me. have like, I would have a lot of like, you know, I would run like fantasy football or whatever before everything was online. I would just have like a lot of pool money lying around like $500, $1,000 for the season. So yeah. then I would, it, was, it would work because if my wife bar, you know, took 20 bucks. I'm like, oh, you got to give me the money back. Right. Not my money. Right. Um, so Kramer is out 53 seconds. 53 seconds. Okay. That's very fast. Uh, do you think he washed his hands? I have 53 seconds, Rob. I, you know, no way. <laughs> Boy, this is like one of those things like the, like the, uh, like cereal where it's like, uh, like, okay, could, okay. If Kramer get like, we, we need to recreate this. Like oh, could Kramer get into this Any apartment? of our fans want to recreate this for next week? All right. Can anybody run this experiment? Okay. For in 53 seconds, can you get in, get out, uh, grab the money, wash your hands and get back out? I think the hand washing is out. Yeah, I mean that. Like, that's basically how much time it takes to like close the door, walk across the apartment, uh, you know, close the apartment, and start getting comfortable. Like, I, I don't know, you know, getting comfortable. There's not a lot of margin for error here. How, what, what do you mean, like, uh, like naked? Get comfortable? I mean, just like anything. Like, even it, it, 53 seconds is not enough time for anything. <laughs> I guess enough time for something. Is, I mean, there's no commercial here that I, that I'm missing. I don't think. <laughs> like, they didn't cut to commercial at any point in the scene. It's one continuous shot. Wow. Okay. 
So he is out. It was that woman across the street. And then there were three Akiva. And I do love how the people like fall and like, and then there were two. It's almost like a, like, a, like some sort of like horror movie where people are just getting like, uh, like killed off. Yeah. Yeah. And you, yeah, you know, Kramer, uh, he got axed. He got the axe. He got the axe. All right. Then there were three. First appearance of Estelle, George's mom here with George visiting her in the hospital. It's crazy, right? It doesn't feel like it, it almost doesn't feel like this is the first time we're seeing her, but it certainly is. Yeah, we've seen George on the phone with his mom before, uh, notably in the limo where he's fighting with her and they have a scene which is similar to this one. But here is Estelle. And how long is it going to be until we see Frank Costanza? Yeah, we see Estelle, I think, two more times before we see Frank. The first time we see Frank is, uh, I think, Puffy Shirt, which is the second uh, season, second episode of next season. Okay. A good thing your father is in Chicago, she says. Uh, what is Frank Costanza doing in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, uh, whatever his shady business is. He's, <laughs> he's a traveling salesman. I don't know. Okay. And he is traveling. All right. So here is Estelle, and she's really still giving it to George about how he had nothing better to do at three o'clock in the afternoon than treat his body like an amusement park. Yeah, this is very far into Estelle. I feel Whee! like she, you know, <laughs> she would have. She may have, uh, you know, beaten everybody in the contest because to her, this seems like really abhorrent behavior. What would Estelle have to put up for the contest? I, there's no amount of money. Thirty like, uh, million dollars. She clinched already. It's like she you clinched. can't bet on something that's already mathematically happened. <laughs> She's mathematically eliminated from the She's contest. Eat up with seven to play. <laughs> <laughs> so she talks about how George, maybe he could do that for a job. She says that I think she paints a very dark picture. Of, very dark. Picture. She says, uh, you could sell out Madison Square Garden doing what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much I don't think anyone would pay to see that. If George decided this is what he wanted to do for his job, do you feel like he would be especially successful? I don't know. Is there a market for like short bolding guys? I feel like that he would not be able to sell out Madison Square Garden doing this. It, it, I don't think he could sell out, you know, just the garden, you know, around the corner from his house. Right. Like, I don't think, I don't think, uh, you know, there's a big demand. And again, if he wanted to be like a webcam guy, yeah, typically, you know, he's born in the wrong era. Yeah, pre-webcam guy. Like, if you wanted to do this for a living, like a guy like Dirk Diggler, like, he just has to, like, find, like, one person and then he just does it like, you know, in his car for them or sort of like in a closet somewhere. He just shows up, Dirk Diggler. He just he just shows up. Um, there's no sort of like appearing tonight. Dirk Diggler live Madison Square Garden one night only the Mecca, you know, come and see Dirk Diggler. You know, no way George Costanza is selling out Madison Square Garden. No, I mean, I, maybe she's saying like you'd be, like the way that, you know, Billy Joel's the best. So he sells at MSG like you'd be the best at that. So you could he but, do like the monthly concert at MSG like Billy Joel? Is he that good? I don't know. Like, and the, would he, he be good enough? Is to have he a the piano man? Of, yes. Of this. Is he the piano man? I mean, I don't, maybe he has very, I don't see anything I'm going to say now is just going to turn this into like, again, is he, is he so skilled? Is I mean, it's not like, Oh, well, Billy Joel needs more information. Let's just put it on the list. We're going to have to ask Jerry, like, is George really the best of the best here? Right. I I mean, I don't know if anybody goes to see Billy Joel because that they say he has the nicest piano 
it's more about the, it's more about the way he plays the organ, right? Yeah, it is. It is. But again, we don't know how, you know, we don't we don't really have not enough information given to, for us to answer this question. Okay. All right. So <laughs> we'll see. All right. So we get the nurse coming in. 6.30, time for the sponge bath. This is so brilliant to me. We get the nurse and the niece. Yes, the nurse and Shelly. Uh, I believe cousin Shelly, right? I think, well, George's cousin, uh, the, Estelle's, Estelle's niece. niece. Yeah. yeah. And to me, you know, Larry talks about this in the inside looks. We needed to have temptation for all the characters. We needed to have something to, you know, get them closer. And again, like any great screenplay, this is moving the plot forward. All of this stuff where George has the 630 sponge bath happening. And of course, uh, this is going to come up again, almost like a shot for shot recreation of this. Uh, what, what's the name of the episode with uh, where, you know, um, it's the rumor that George and Jerry are gay. The outing. The outing. Yeah. And they do this, you know, such a great callback to this, but it comes across here for the first time. 6.30 time for the sponge bath. Yeah. And you know, one thing I also just thought of, if you talk about the temptations, we, all, we never really see this girl. We just see her through the, uh, the sheet in the, in the hospital room. We never really see the, uh, the neighbor other than, you know, that quick shot that she's next to Kramer in the dark at the end of the episode. And we certainly never see JFK Jr. So all these, and they do such a great job all these temptations are really, you know, out of the picture. They, yeah. you're, they're not shown, but you still feel them. With the exception of Marla the Virgin. Right. Marla we see, but I don't even know how much of a temptation she is at a certain point. <laughs> right. And so uh, Jerry says it's the accent, which is the biggest turn on. Yeah, but, you know, he could find that he's a comedian who's famous. He could find another British lady who's not, you know, <laughs> such a, you know, a head case. <laughs> All right. So cousin Shelly is there and she wants to know, how did this happen? And George shuts her down immediately. Not important. <laughs> yeah. Why, why do you have to know why it happened? <laughs> and so cousin Shelly is asking George questions and George is just totally tuned out listening to the sponge bath. Yeah. I mean, George has a one track mind at this point. I mean, and it's funny because they don't notice like Estelle never notices what's going on. That's right. Yeah. She never catches on. It's just beyond her with all this other stuff happening. Yeah, but I mean, clearly it does it does bother her because it's some you know in the in the deleted scenes she has the room she she has the lady's room moved because she's walking around without well, clothes so much. Yeah, never when George is there. Unfortunately for George. All right, so now we finally see Elaine going to the health club, and we see this woman that was in the diner in the beginning of the episode in one of the deleted scenes, Akiva, where she wants to sit down and they don't let her. Yeah, that is, again, like most of the deleted scenes, it was deleted for a reason. Yes, it is funny that Kramer says it was awkward because typically Kramer is the person that never notices something is awkward. But yeah. here is Elaine with this woman who is an aerobics instructor. I, I think she's like the lady behind the desk, although, you know, you know, I have not been to too many gyms. So I think maybe like these jobs are kind of shared. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she's also an instructor. And she's teaching the class and she lets Elaine know that John F. Kennedy Jr. is going to be in this class. John John himself. Yes. Um, John F. Kennedy Jr. taking aerobics? I mean, listen, he's got to work out. How does he keep that physique, you know, that the ladies are really uh, coming on to him? <laughs> I guess so. So John F. Kennedy Jr. is going to be in the class. Now we go to Jerry, who is in the car with our virgin. Which is not really our virgin. <laughs> She's the virgin. Yeah, and they're, uh, they're having some fun in the car. Yeah, really uh, make out city. Uh, yeah. And uh, make out Marla. But that's that's about it. That's about it. And she says, hey, let's slow it down. And then uh, Jerry has to play it off like, do you think I care about the sex? Please. 
Please. And that's a very such a Seinfeld thing to happen where, you know, when somebody, you know, refutes what our our heroes obviously want or are trying to do, they have to always like that. You thought I wanted that. Oh, uh, that's crazy. I mean, yeah, that, no, I mean, that would be nice like, oh, right. where like the person has no sort of idea what you're thinking. Yeah. OK, so they call it a night. And she leaves and uh, she says good night to Jerry. And again, he's trying to he's totally flustered. He says, uh, no, it wasn't a good night. It was a great night. Akiva. It was. I mean, I guess, you know, he's, he's getting closer. OK. And this is when we see the first time we have this really great that device that we're going to use of we see that Jerry's tossing, turning, can't sleep. Elaine tossing and turning, can't sleep. And then Kramer is completely sleeping asleep, like a baby, sleeping like a baby. And that is going to represent if you were in the contest or you were out of the contest. Yeah, it's a really good device. And uh, right, it's that's like canonical. We know if you're sleeping, then you're out. And if you are tossing and turning, you are in. So Kramer comes in talking about his sack time. Now, no, we're not talking about when he went out of the contest, right? No, that's not. That's a different type of sack. time. That was not a lot of sack time. <laughs> yes, he had, that was 53 seconds of sack time. This is... Well, Maybe 20. I mean, if you include the, the hustling back and forth. <laughs> so uh, he had a great night's sleep and Jerry did not. He, uh, no, sir. But he made it through the night. He is master of his domain. He's king of the castle. Yes. Uh, and this is the first time we hear master of his domain. And uh, one of the great Seinfeld quotes of all time. Uh, yeah, I think we will at some point maybe do a ranking or something, but that's up there. Okay. And so... Jerry is saying to Kramer that he is going to potentially go over there, speak to the naked woman and tell her to put the shades down. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, he cannot control himself. He cannot just look away. He needs her to, you know, to nip the problem uh, in the bud from, you know, where it starts. And Kramer says, this is a once in a lifetime experience. Are you crazy? Why would you do this? Uh, yeah, this is found money. I think it's, you know, first of all, it's... It, if, if Kramer and Jerry are both benefiting from this, then uh, it's not really Jerry's place to stop it. He could just look away. Yeah. All right. And finally, Kramer convinces Jerry to not go over there. And it's funny because Kramer is just like parks himself in front of the window, even though she's not home. He's going to wait it out for her to come back. I mean, in fairness, does Kramer have something better to do? No, no, he does not. All right. Let's go to the diner. And in the diner, we're going to have Jerry and George, and we are finding out about the sponge bath at 6.30. George is going to tell Jerry about what goes on at the hospital every night at 6.30. Yeah, it's a schedule. I mean, do they still do sponge baths? Like, you think they would just bathe this person, no like, at the <laughs> no bed? I, I think they still do it. What are they going to do instead? What, do they have just, like, a dust buster that they... It didn't seem like she had a ton of privacy. No. No, they didn't mind. It was fine. And so, there was a sheet up, Akiva. What do you want? What do you think was wrong with this lady that like, this was like beautiful young lady who needed a sponge bath? Mm. What happened to her? She's she in traction. She's in traction. But she's also in, is this the traction? The traction of the wing hospital? of the hospital. Yes. Yes. Um, do you think that she was bothered by the bright white light, which was right next to her shining onto the sheet to cast this uh, amazing silhouette? <laughs> the. Uh, I mean, like I the guess the floodlight like, that must have been required to cast this perfect. Yeah, that was silhouette quite shadow. a silhouette. I do think they really uh, they did a number on that. Which probably <laughs> should have made us a little suspicious that someone was watching. Yeah, but you know, this is incredible. This uh, sponge bath, but even though with everything going on, George is still master of his domain. 
And there's still uh, King of the County, Lord of the Manor. And here comes and, Elaine. Uh, who's Queen of the Castle. She's Queen of the Castle, despite having a workout of and talking with John F. Kennedy Jr. Yeah, so she really, uh, that's, you know, she really had a uh, close call. Yes. Close encounter. Yes, I love when Elaine is talking about how after the class was over, John F. Kennedy Jr. said to her, quite a workout. And how did Elaine respond to that? Uh, she said, yeah, that's like pretty, that's pretty typical of like, you know, someone meets a celebrity and like that's the extent of the conversation. Yeah. I just met Tom Cruise. He said, uh, good morning. Yes. And so anyway, they end up walking and talking. I think this is very funny that they end up sharing a cab uptown, even though Elaine had to go downtown and Elaine gets dropped off at Jerry's apartment uh, by John F. Kennedy Jr. Just so she could share the cab ride with him. I don't think JFK Jr. was such a cab splitter, though. I, apparently he was here. I mean, he must have been into a lane because I'm sure he could have foot the bill, you know, without having to split it, you know, on his own. It'd be funny if he lived downtown also. Oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> that would really be something. I, maybe he did. Maybe he did. And of course, uh, Lane tells us that she is still queen of the castle. Uh, she's still in. We got, we got three guys left. Okay. Let's go back to the hospital room. And it's like 625 at night. George runs in because he doesn't want to miss the 630 sponge bath. And so it's such a great scene with George. Yeah. Because you look at the clock and it's 625 and it's really, really funny. And he comes in and Estelle is impressed. Two days in a row. Here's George at the hospital. Yeah. I mean, you know, with, with nothing, you know, he's got nothing to gain. He's just there to be a, a doting son. Yes. But... Estelle is happy to see him because she's hungry and he can go pick up a sandwich from the deli. She's weak. By the way, terrible job by Frank Costanza. Not, you know, I know he's on a work trip, but his wife's in traction. Like, can't you cut the work trip short? Come back and help her out? No, no. He's busy. Yeah, that's not his style, I guess. Don't bother me. (laughs) I mean, he doesn't even exist yet, so. (laughs) I'm in Detroit. Okay, so he doesn't want to talk to Estelle. And we would have ended up having like a fake Frank Costanza and then, you know, Jerry Stiller would have had to take his place and they would have had to like CGI him into these yeah. scenes. So. Well, we do have a fake Frank Costanza that's going to be the first one we have, right? Yeah, and, and obviously Jerry's dad. Um, I think, you know... Well, first appearance is always a fake dad on Seinfeld. There's a lot of fake dads. <laughs> so would Elaine, was that not really Elaine's dad that we saw? In well, we the- did only see him once like a lot of the other fake dads. Mm. So um, the other one is coming. No, he's what well, we know. We never see him. Listen, <laughs> I, I think the fake dad killed I'm the saying, real dad. Maybe Alton Ben. He's still so coming. He's still coming. We still haven't seen Elaine's oh, real yeah, dad. Yeah, yeah, like in the in you know, when they do like a spinoff or whatever. Yeah, Fuller Seinfeld. Yes, yes, Fuller. or the prequel. Yeah, I think there would be a prequel. I mean, it would be tough. Michael Richards looks pretty old for a prequel now. They'd have to recast it. <sighs> Could there ever be a Seinfeld prequel? I mean, if Jerry really like spent all his money on cars yeah, and really needed some quick cash. No, I, but I think you'd have to not do it with the original cast. Or it would be like the Dumb and Dumber prequel. Yeah, you could do that. I, I think it would have to be after Jerry is uh, on the alternate side, though. Mm-hmm. And Elaine, you, you know, you'd have to do... Well, she looks younger now than she did 20 years ago. She could play probably play she herself. She could play herself. I'm trying to think of, wait, like, I'm trying to think of like high school Jerry and George. And, you know, they didn't know Kramer, they didn't know Lane. It would be tough. You'd have to like, maybe when you get to like to the point where you could do like uh, CGI and stuff like that and just do it all with computers, maybe you could do the Seinfeld prequel. 
Maybe it's like they're all doing, you know, Jerry and George know each other, but Elaine and Kramer are doing their separate things. And the finale they meet, they all meet for the first time. They're all in the, at Monks together. Hmm. So it's like the so, Sex in the City uh, show that they did on the CW? Oh, Rob. I, you, again, I don't know what you're talking about with the Sex in the City stuff. Like how, Carrie Diaries. The, 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 show, the series ends with them meeting? I don't know how it ends. I don't know if it's even still on. Well, don't spoil it. Rob. I'm sure. <laughs> It's, it's That's what my, we're doing after this Carrie Diaries podcast. Yeah, it's in my TiVo queue. I haven't, you know, I, I don't don't tell me what happens. I'm gonna have to delete it. Carrie Diaries, the premiere is over, but we are still hanging out in the 80s. <laughs> oh my god! All right, so George's mom wants a sandwich. Estelle wants a sandwich, and George tells her, "Hey, could you wait a little?" And she does not understand. She can't comprehend why George just won't get her a sandwich. I don't like why can't he just run there quickly? I mean, he might miss the first minute of the bath, but, you know, how far away could this cafeteria be? Well, it's not the cafeteria. She wants him to go to the deli. So I would imagine if this deli is worth its salt, then there's probably a line around 630. It's dinner time. People probably, you know, it could be a line for half an hour. Yeah, that's a good point. So I guess I guess he, he has to pick one or the other. And the sponge bath starts and he says to her, uh, here, have some Tic Tacs. And he throws a box of Tic Tacs at her. It's very funny. (laughs) And and she's like, George, I'm hungry. (laughs) And he's just totally ignoring her. This is fantastic. Yeah, she's so good. You know, she really she really makes her opening statement here uh, in a big way. She does. He's like, hang on, mom. All right. Elaine shows back up at the gym after having this great encounter with JFK Jr. And she got her hair done and everything. And apparently she made an impression on John Kennedy Jr. He's not there. Uh, There's a funny piece of business where like the woman is like, oh, let me tell you what he said. And she goes to put like the towel back up and like Elaine just like pulls her down and doesn't let her leave. Poor Joyce. Poor Joyce. They don't invite her to the table. I mean, did that actually happen? Because it's in the deleted scene. So is that canon? They Boy, don't invite her to the table in Monks. And now uh, now she's getting, Elaine's beating her up. Yeah, I think it's canon if it's in the deleted scenes. Okay. We'll, I think ask, so. we'll ask Jerry that. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry, on the Seinfeld DVDs, there's a lot of deleted scenes uh, in all the episodes. Do you consider those scenes to be canon as in that they are part of the historical background of the show. Jerry, I would, are you there? I'd like a canon to, uh, are you to there? Pirate you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Elaine, uh, made an impression on John F. Kennedy Jr. Kiva. Yeah. I mean, l- listen, Elaine is a catch. Yes, she is. And so John F. Kennedy Jr. is going to be by her apartment, which is Jerry's apartment. Uh, and it wants to pick her up. What a crazy plan, right? Why can't he just like get her number from Joyce or, you know, give Joyce his number to give to Elaine? Like, I'm going to drive by in my limo or a cab and just wait outside your apartment. Like, that's not even really your apartment, just at a random time. Mm-hmm. It's what a crazy, you know, I, again, this is the pre-cell phones, pre-internet era, but what an insane plan. It's an insane plan from JFK Jr. Was this normal in the, in the when the show aired? Like, did like any, would anybody have... Uh, yeah, how would he even know that she got the message? It's like... Uh, like yeah, right. He's going there, and maybe she didn't show up to the, uh, the workout that day, and she's just never going to get the message. Like, 
He really wants to see Elaine. Yeah. Like when you go to like some coffee shop and it's like uh, tell the person at the register, like tell the woman that was in here yesterday. Uh, I'm going to be circling around her block uh, tomorrow night at seven o'clock. Tell her to be outside. We're so lucky we were born <laughs> in this era. Could you imagine even 30 years earlier? It would have been a disaster. We Can got you imagine if you were like we got gypped that we had to go through the first like 20 years without this stuff. Tell me about it, please. There was no Xbox when we were, I mean, I don't play it now, but I'm sure I would have liked it. And it's just, you know, I remember like fourth grade, third grade, I had no internet. Like I'm still mad about that. No, I know it sucks. I was thinking about the other day also, like, you know, I have like uh, the coffee maker. Do you drink coffee, Akiva? Sometimes. Yeah. Well, how do you have your coffee? I don't know. Oh, like do you do, do you have it? Oh, you go for the store. You don't have a yeah, machine. I don't, know, in the house? I don't know. Like that's too much for me to make coffee. Yeah, like I have the. I don't have a, Sometimes I have a Keurig, but right now I don't have the working. Like I yeah, I have the Keurig and I have that in my house. But I was thinking about like, boy, I bet in twenty years, like this is going to be even better. And I bet like my parents like always had like really you know crappy coffee for the most part, and they didn't even know how good my coffee was going to be. And I bet but we're like, going to be furious when we're old men. Yeah, like I bet you're just going to have like the coffee is going to be incredible in twenty years. Yeah, and like that, your clothes are going to be connected to the internet. They say like yeah. with the Internet of Things, and it's we're going to be miserable. But I do think the difference between internet and no internet is probably bigger than. Mm. I mean, maybe not. Maybe we just can't imagine yet. Between like what our kids or grandkids are going to. So I already have, have pretty good coffee, and I'm mad that I don't have phenomenal coffee. But maybe your coffee is like a two compared to what's going to be around in thirty years. Yeah, but probably better than what my parents were drinking in like some percolator. It's probably a lot better than that. I mean, could you imagine if you were like 70 and the internet came out? I would be furious. Yeah. Like if you just missed the whole internet thing. Well, maybe the people that, and, and when they were 70, like, uh, like, uh, can you believe this uh, magazines just came out? Like uh, where my whole life, I didn't have to sit there and we didn't have any magazines. What about TV? Like the people of TV, like, cause the shows on television at the beginning were so terrible. <laughs> but if you just waited, you know, the, they were going to get good in the 60s. Yeah. I guess. Wow. I guess, I guess we're lucky and unlucky. We were very time. lucky. Maybe we've peaked as a as like a, a people also. So maybe yeah. nobody past us is well, going to have stuff that's really yeah. better than us. And also like if there's like a whole like zombie apocalypse or something like that, mm -hmm. then we could. Oh, maybe, this could be over tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe if it's over tomorrow. We win. Right. Then we did it. <laughs> we did we're it. Like last. We're the last. We're the, you know, we've got the belt and nobody can take it from us. It's over. <laughs> I mean, would, well, let me ask you a question. If this if it's over tomorrow or sometime in the near future. <laughs> right. Would you have rathered? And this is a serious question, Rob. Would you rather have had 80 years in like the 19th century, no internet, or 35 years with internet? Mm. Again, you're living 45, you're giving up 45 years of your life for the for television for like the, and internet. For like the, you know, 10 or 15 good years I had internet. But oh, and TV. Remember, there's no TV then. Yeah. It's uh, the fact that we're considering it makes yeah. us both pretty crazy. No, I, I I'm going to say I'd rather these. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, who wanted to be? We would have been useless in the 19th century, right? Right. Because 80 of those years, like 45 of them, I would have been working in like some factory or something like yeah, that. Yeah. What would we have done? Also, we weren't <laughs> built. We're not built for. I was certainly not. Me, I would have been maybe. like, yeah, on some assembly line, yeah, like uh, like that's a, not, that's work not my like strength. 17 hours a day in like uh, like dark conditions or something like that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I wasn't built for the 19th century. Hmm. Okay. I'm built for like the 22nd century, like a, I want like all robots and I don't have to do any manual anything. <laughs> all right. So Jerry is on the phone and uh, he's talking to his mom, right? Yes. And uh, she's talking about what he's watching. And uh, he says that he's watching Tiny Toons. 
Yeah, I mean, Jerry loves cartoons. It's very, it's very wholesome. And this scene is very funny to me because it ends up with like Jerry is watching uh, some cartoon where they're singing uh, the wheels on the bus go round and round, which I just thought was hilarious. And Kramer is uh, Kramer develops his own song <laughs> for the uh, lady across the street, right? Because yeah, Kramer is watching the woman across the street and Jerry's singing uh, the wheels on the bus go round and round and, and Kramer's singing uh, the woman across the street has nothing on. <laughs> He's like bouncing up and down. And they're like they're in uh, they're in sync. It's funny. The, and there's a weird, I think it was in the notes about nothing. There's like a weird thing that Jerry claimed he'd never heard the song, the wheels on the bus go round and round before this episode started airing. Yeah, that is weird. That's like a really weird fact. Yeah. Because uh, my son uh, that listens to that all day long. I know. It's like, it's like somebody being in their forties and like, oh, I've never heard of this band, the Beatles. Or like, yeah, like a guy who's like, oh, I've never seen Star Wars before. But no, but I've heard of Star Wars. <laughs> You've heard of it, right. My, my not seeing Star Wars as a choice. <laughs> All right. So after that, uh, we see uh, Jerry and George can't sleep, but Elaine is finally sleeping. Uh, well, you know, we know why. It's funny, right? So this is the only time we kind of get this. This gives it away that we know she's she's out. She's out. You know, the Elaine thing, though, is weird. You know, to me, it's almost like the men are being tempted with like erotic imagery. And Elaine is being teased with the idea of dating John F. Kennedy Jr. You know, it's not like she's around. She saw him in the aerobics class and he has a he has a great butt, but that was days ago. You know, it's almost like the prospect of going on this date with him was what put her over the edge. Right. But first of all, he's JFK Jr. So that's like, you know, to her, that's a big deal. She's obsessed with the Kennedys. But also like at this point, even though Kramer ends up with the girl across the street, like that's just like she's not a real person, right? She's just someone they're staring at. And obviously the lady in the hospital room is not someone George is going to get together with. So for Elaine, this is like real. And maybe women are different than men also. But like for Elaine, this is something that's tangible. Whereas for the other two, it's kind of not. Yeah. I'd like to know from maybe some of our women listeners that is that is this plausible? Like, does that does that sound about right? That it's just like the idea of starting this new relationship with John F. Kennedy Jr. That was uh, that was enough to knock Elaine right. out of the contest. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll see we'll see but Elaine is out seven thousand dollars down the drain it's a good thing she didn't listen to me <laughs> it's a good thing it's a good is there a better storyline for Elaine potentially than John F Kennedy Jr what if like Elaine for work was like working on like the like precursor to like the first Fifty Shades of Grey uh, <laughs> prequel. And she's interested in her own writing. That's like, no, 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 she's interested. Not, it's like, she has like proofreading oh, like she's some, editing. Okay. some sort of like tawdry novel. It's not funny, but <laughs> like, I feel like maybe no, I mean, that would be, that makes sense. That makes sense. But I, I mean, and I don't it's know like, should really be tinkering with this episode that much. Okay. All right. But I feel like that would, to me, that would be something maybe that would more put her over the, like she has to, and she has to read it for work. Like she can't not read it. So that's pretty good. Yeah. For the contest, she has to she has to not read it, and then so maybe she's trying to get somebody else to read it. Um, I don't know. It's something else to uh, to, to play with here. But again, I, I like this is sacrilege. Scene. This is sacrilege to yeah. Talk, we can't to mess too much up. with this. This is canonical. This stuff. <laughs> okay. So all right. So we have the scene in the kitchen where the guys are fighting and they're like going after each other, and <laughs> George is accusing Jerry of stealing his socks. 
Yeah, and it, it, you know, in the inside look, uh, the real Kenny Kramer is saying that when he was not in the contest that actually happened, but Larry was, and that he said like one of the things that he noticed about Larry was he acted really crazy when he was in this contest just because he was losing his mind after Larry won the contest, but after a week or two, he was really. Uh, do you think at like the end of Larry's life, he's going to like, I cheated in the real contest. Yeah, but this is sort of inconsistent. And if in the Seinfeld universe, if we establish here in the contest, if you are a man and you do not have a release, then you go crazy. You lose your mind. You become irritable and angry. Yet when George and Elaine are in basically when they switch where George decides that he is going to abstain and Elaine is going to also abstain. Men get smarter and women get dumber was what Seinfeld tells us at that point. Right. So I I think here it's, it's just that um, the contest is putting everything in such a specific light, the contest and the temptation, I guess. Right. 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 It's something that it's because there it's something that they could have in theory here. It's, you know, there's a penalty for, for, uh, but you're, it's a good question. Yeah. I feel like George, you know, is acting very, very differently under similar circumstances in two different episodes. Uh, yeah, that's true. Put it on the list. We'll ask Jerry. <laughs> uh, Jerry, uh, back in the contest, George gets very irritable, uh, when he is not able to, uh, let one thing lead to another yet later in the series, uh, when he doesn't have sex, he becomes smarter and so smart that he's able to solve complex uh, mathematical equations. Uh, what is the difference between those two? Oh, we really, we really need that dial tone <laughs> ring. Next Jerry, week. Jerry, Jerry, are you there? It must have flown back. It must have. Uh, I, I think we lost him. I think we lost. I think he'll call back. We lost him. Okay, we'll see if we can get. We'll get. We'll get Jerry back on the line uh, as soon as we uh, figure out what's going on with our Skype connection. All right, Elaine is here and she is out. Starts uh, paying the bills. Yeah. She washed her hands, though. You would hope so. You would hope so. Because a lot of time has passed. It's the next day. Yeah. And so maybe she even took a shower because uh, she's dressed for the day, whereas she was sleeping. So you would think that, like, uh, you know, a lot of things have happened in terms of Elaine, you know, getting ready for the day. And, and so gotta, she might meet JFK Jr. later. She can't just be all gross. Right. And so there you have Elaine and uh, the queen is dead. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, long live the uh, the new the two new kings. Okay, and then there were two. All right, later on, let's go to Jerry and Marla because they are on the couch, and Marla says she is ready. She's ready to go. She's giving him the green light, Akiva. Yeah, the, uh, the the steel signals on. She is waving him in, and. Uh, that it has been a long journey. And Jerry says to her, uh, you don't know the half of it. Now, how bad is this what Jerry does? Like, is this inexcusable? Like, is this maybe one thing that we could say, you know, how this information about the contest comes up? Should it be Kramer that spills this? I mean, it seems almost incredulous to think that Jerry would be the one to blow up his own spot about the contest. Or is it just because of the contest, because of the stress, because of the lack of the release and, and the confusion with, you know, finally the reprieve of, okay, you're going to get this, get this uh, thing that you've been chasing for so long that he just blows it. Yeah. I think a lot of it is the stress is getting to him that he, that he's blowing it. 
I, I do. It would be uh, typical of Kramer's character to be the one to ruin it. But um, I, I do, you know, it, and also like for Jerry, this is the type of thing you say right after the fact. Hey, funny story, you know, and then you tell her. Uh, but listen, again, maybe that's it. Jerry is just so stressed. He's not in his right mind. And, uh, you know, he blows it at the last second. Oh, no. Oh, no. All right. So we don't see the argument. Uh, we're going to come back and see uh, after the aftermath of that. And then we get to a little bit later on that she is just out of there. You know, uh, the, that he mentions the contest and she just walks out and get away from me. And Jerry just goes and sits down in front of the window. I mean, is it normal for Marlo to be so upset about this? Like, she's very open about the fact that she's a virgin. Like, is that is that normal for her to like? Is this such a big deal? Well, she is somewhat prudish. And, you know, if she doesn't even want to do, you know, the, the act, she doesn't want to have sex, then she probably also has some reservation. Again, we don't know why Marla is a virgin. We don't know if she's from some strict religious background. I guess that this would speak to that, that she is, you know, just extremely conservative in her, you know, views about sexual relations between men and women. And the fact that she was uncomfortable, certainly when Elaine brought up the diaphragm stuff, she didn't know if guys leave not or, or not after it's over. Or just the idea that people would have this sort of thing. Like it, maybe it's one thing if people are doing this, but the fact that they're talking about it and having a contest about it, that, that's just a major turnoff for her. Yeah, again, you know, in, in, the, in the prequel, maybe we'll get more of the Marla backstory. Mm, I think so. All right. So we cut to Marla outside with Elaine. And Elaine's like, Marla, I want to talk to you. And she doesn't want to have anything to do with you or your perverted friends. Yeah, she blows her off. I mean, does Marla even... I guess the funny part was when when Jerry's like trying last second to explain the contest to Marla. And he's like, oh, it actually started with George and his mother. Yeah. But he didn't say that Elaine was in there. But I guess we missed, you know, they, the show cuts out part of it. So I guess she knows that yeah. Elaine's involved. All right, Akiva, here's one thing that I, I just can't wrap my head around. So Elaine's on the street with Marla. Marla says, I don't want to have anything to do with you or your perverted friends. Then we end up with Elaine is up in the apartment and Marla is on the street with JFK Jr. What happened? So Elaine said JFK Jr. didn't show. So I'm guessing you know, after you know, 40 minutes, she's like, oh, what am I doing? He's not actually coming. We didn't have a plan. He just told the lady behind the desk of the gym. So she goes up at like, say, uh, 940, right? Okay. And then uh, Marla's still down there hysterical. Right. And then he shows up, sees a crying lady, and, uh, you know, he pounces. I guess so. Boy, uh, JFK Jr. is like Superman. Listen, you, you don't mess with the candidates. <laughs> All right. So uh, who's, who's the one? Is it Kramer that says that he left with Marla the Virgin? Uh, who tells them? No, George tells. George tells. Right. So... Jerry's telling Elaine what happened and then she found out about the contest and then she stormed off and Elaine calls says like, wow, what a wacko, which is very she funny and kind of crazy, but it is funny to see the, you know, this group of four, like what they judge about other people and they call her a wacko. Like they were four people having, you know, a contest uh, about what they were having a contest about in 1992 right. and she's the way that's totally fine. <laughs> Today would be passe, but in 92... I don't think it would ever be passe. <laughs> a co-ed contest. Oh, a co-ed. I guess the co-ed contest is kind of nutty. Yeah, it, that's true. It would be... 
is, you, do you feel like this is like commonplace now? People, lots of people are having these contests. I'm, I'm telling you, I think it's, I, I think it at one point was when the show was still, you know, going on and maybe right afterwards at this point, I think it's gone away, but I don't know, maybe, you know, it also might be a high school thing. Like we're not in high school anymore. It's very possible. These types of things happen. Uh, I Did believe you we ever have, a, have this contest, Akiva. No, but I believe uh, in one of the emails, we're going to get a good story about a contest. Okay. Oh boy. Oh my God. We still have emails in this podcast. Oh, oh my we God. Hurry up. All right. <laughs> I think we lasted uh, longer than uh, Jerry and George in the contest. Well, we <laughs> certainly lasted longer than Kramer. Yeah. All right. So anyway, George tells a story about how he was saw Marla was crying. JFK Jr. hopped out of the car and he left with Marla the Virgin. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's a pretty bad break for Elaine. Yeah, boy. And this episode has like, you know, like three different endings. Uh, first one here is that we see Kramer or they see Kramer across the street and Kramer is with the naked lady across the street and he is waving like that could have been the first ending of the episode. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then later on, right after that, we see uh, Elaine sleeping, George sleeping, Jerry sleeping, Kramer sleeping with the woman across the hall. You could end it on that too. Yeah. So far, so good. So far, so good. And then finally we have uh, Marla, the Virgin uh, in bed with John F. Kennedy, we don't see him. He says, uh, oh, John, that was wonderful. We have. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, really, all three stories tied together in this uh, in this one ending. It's it's, you know, it's uh, the best. You know, it's why this is the contest. Yeah. And then the closing stand up is Jerry talks about men want to see women naked, wherever they don't show us is what we want to see. Uh, yada, yada, yada. Not the strongest uh, closing stand up. Well, it's funny because he says men want to see what they can't see if women wear hats. Uh, right. But I grew up in a um, community where a lot of women cover their hair. Yes. With like a hat or a, and I, I've never once been interested in seeing a woman's real hair. <laughs> it's never. So while it's funny, I've, it's never. I'm never like, oh, man, I really want to see like what her actual hair looks like. OK. All right. Akiva, we've talked about a lot of the ways that this could be different in uh, 2015. Is there anything we didn't touch on? No, I mean, the John F. Kennedy Jr. contacting stuff is really weird. Um, I think the biggest thing is that the woman across the street would not be when when you have, you know, the Internet, you know, at your fingertips. Why? What were your lady? When was your lady? That was like two years ago. Oh, so you had the Internet and she still did it. She she still did it. But it but I wasn't like, uh, you know, losing my mind in my house. The biggest difference is. The internet means you don't even need the lady across the street. Yeah, it was it was more like, um, oh, like, look, there's a, um, you know, there's a, a sparrow. Look out the window. You see that? Like, oh, there's a naked lady over there. You know, it wasn't like uh, a extremely erotic event. Right. I think. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I, yeah. I, so, OK, so that's different. There's there's certainly more temptations in, in 2015 to end this contest. <laughs> right. Right. It would be, I think it'd be harder. The contest in uh, 2015, much harder, much harder. It would be tougher to do. All right. And then also uh, we still have to talk about where this episode ranks Akiva. Now we should be a short segment, right? This should be because Because we said yes, that for the top nine episodes, I'm going to, I'm going to wait until the end of the series or maybe, you know, if it, when, when we get to all nine, maybe it's before season nine, I don't, I don't even know off the top of my head. Um, 
Uh, so, you know, is so basically the only question is, is the contest the top nine episode or not? And the answer is yes. Okay. Would you uh, agree? I mean, I obviously, agree. I would agree. This is clearly the best episode we've had so far. It's not even a competition, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Not promising this is number one in the whole series, but certainly number one so far and in the top nine. In the top nine. Top nine, baby. Yep. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead and take some questions. Of course, these questions come to us every week at Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Your boy Amir has an email, Akiva. He says... What's he got to say? A couple points regarding the future uh, that reveal that George actually cheated in the contest. Yeah, we find that in the finale, of course. We don't even... Right, so we don't even know that he won until, uh, I think, the puffy shirt, right? Yes. Uh, it's revealed that he wins. And then, of course, in the finale, he on the airplane, when they're about to go down, he says, I cheated in the contest. <laughs> all right. Uh, number one, Jerry says, we all know each other very well. I'm sure that we all feel comfortable within the confines of the honor system. But from everything that Jerry knows about George, why in the world would he think that George could be trusted in the honor system? George cheating seems like the obvious outcome of blindly trusting him. Yeah. So we're talking about a pathological liar here. We've established this about 40 different times already. Uh, this is not, there are groups that can use the honor system. This is not one of them, right? Right. And Amir wants to know, when exactly did George cheat? The night before Jerry gives in, George is shown not being able to sleep. Additionally, the two of them are at odds due to the ongoing frustration. At what point is George supposedly to have cheated here? And are we to assume that it happened in the afternoon between his visit to Jerry's and Jerry's eventual breakup with Marla? Can we get the serial guys on this? Oh boy. Yeah, so we talked about how Kramer had his 53 seconds. At what point did George have time to cheat in the contest? Was it after? Did he come come home from the time that he, at 6.30 p.m., we know he was at the hospital. At what yes. time was Jerry on the date? What time was John F. Kennedy Jr. picking up uh, Elaine? I believe 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock. So there's two and a half hours of missing time in which George could have gone home I mean, we've established that only 53 seconds are necessary. George could have stopped at his house on the way to Jerry's house and cheated at the contest and then come over to Jerry's house because he doesn't seem that frustrated when he shows up then. Yeah, again, this is this is maybe a question to further hammer home with Jerry. But yeah, short answer. <laughs> I think he probably stopped home. Jerry. <laughs> 6.30 is the time when George... <laughs> well, you have the spreadsheets we say, right, Jerry? We have a whole PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, because also in the deleted scenes, which may or may not be canon, I, I think they are, there's a scene where George ends up going into the other room and ends up, ends up potentially seeing the former roommate naked. Ah, I mean, it could have happened in Jerry's house. Oh, my God. Yeah, listen, I mean, Talk about this is a guy will lie and he's essentially stealing their money by lying about the contest, right? So if he'll steal hundreds of dollars from them, he might do that in somebody else's house. Wow. That is... He's, he's George Costanza. That is against the bro code as well. George Costanza, he's breaking the bro code left and right, the whole series. <laughs> okay. All right. Then uh, let's take a question. Ryan McLeod says, uh, hey guys, I, like pretty much everyone else, have seen the contest about a million times, so the jokes are somewhat familiar. However, for a relatively young guy, I also watch a lot of older shows and consider myself to be somewhat of a television aficionado. My question for you is, as of November 18th, 1992, 
was Kramer slapping the money down on the table and saying, I'm out the single funniest scene in the history of network television. Honestly, out of all the shows that I've ever seen that have aired before this episode, I cannot think of a funnier line from a scene. It may feel like I'm being hyperbolic, but I challenge you guys to come up with a single funnier moment of network television prior to the airing of that episode. I am too young to have seen the episode on its first run, but I can only imagine how shocking and funny this scene must have been in 1992. And I cannot think of anything comparable to that point. And to think that it was a great start to the list of episodes being in the top nine, but it's obvious that this is number one. Start to finish, gold, Akiva, gold. Signed, Ryan, king of the county. Well, first of all, if Ryan's saying, is this the funniest moment as of November 92, clearly he's not a big uh, chuckles the clown at Mary Tyler Moore, you know, show funeral. Right. Doesn't love Vitamita Vegemin on I Love Lucy. Listen, TV Guide says yes. TV Guide says best. Best episode ever. I'm out is probably the funniest part of the episode. But so is yes, that the Ryan. best joke even on Seinfeld to the, in the entire series to date? At this point. At this point? Yes. What was funnier? I mean, I, I like the atomic wedgie in the, uh, in the, in the library, but you, you know, you weren't as big of a fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's really good. What's the one joke? You know, I, I, the best joke in the whole series is probably, or, or, you know, the best like moment to me is when he pulls the golf ball out in the marine biologist, right? Probably. Uh, you know, or maybe the first time the soup Nazi does the no soup for no soup for you thing. Like, it's a good question, but I think as of now, I'd have to maybe, you know, sleep on it a little bit, but I think uh, it's hopefully, a good discussion point. It is a good, hopefully, uh, you know, tossing and turning sleep, not the other. Kind of sleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right Johnny DeSilvera says uh, the contest was written by Larry David and was based on a bet that Larry David had had with his friends that Larry won after several months months yeah, I think that Kenny Kramer says it was a few weeks oh yeah there are I, so, I did notice that there's a lot of different opinions I don't know what's canon but when we have the LD interview we'll ask that Larry yeah also Kenny Kramer claims it was only three weeks and it was something that he didn't enter because he knew he couldn't win that's something that we should touch on in the Kenny Kramer interview I, I think we, you know, we established we're not going to uh, speak to Kenny Kramer. Why? He's just going to hit us up to go on his stupid tour. <laughs> It'll be like, all right, Kenny, we got to go. Uh, we don't have any more questions. Like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, guys. You, you, you're like, no, I think, uh, Kenny, I'm, I'm sorry uh, that we have, uh, we got to run, but it was great talking to you. <laughs> sorry, uh, Kenny. Yes. Okay. Um, also, uh, Johnny says that Jason Alexander improvised throwing the Tic Tacs at Estelle. Yeah, that actually kind of looks improvised. That's funny that he says pretty that. good improv. Yeah, yeah, this was a, that was a really funny scene. Wow. Okay. All right. And let's do one last email. And this is, of course, from the great Chester, who says in the subject line of this email, I don't want anything to do with you or your perverted friends. Wants to know, have either of you ever been caught by your mothers or otherwise? I know Rob wants to keep the podcast a family show. So please be as euphemistic as Seinfeld. Akiva, have you ever been caught? I hope not. <laughs> yeah, not that you know of <laughs> is the answer. No, I would say that that I can also say with uh, you know some uh, definitiveness, uh, I have not been caught. No, that has not happened. Uh, not to this day. <laughs> You're saying there's still time. <laughs> oh, there's still a lot of time. There's still well, maybe uh, not. We did say there's might be an asteroid coming next week. I guess so. You know, we're, we're still happy about if that. things go according to their, you know, to course, they stick to the plan. There's still a lot of time, still a lot of time. It's a, it's an open invitation. All right. Uh, I agree with Kramer. Chester says 
those one to five, 1.5 to one odds for a lane are ridiculous. This has always bothered me about this episode. As soon as they give Elaine those ridiculous odds, you know she can't win because if she did, it would expose her odds for being ridiculously low as they were. P.S. In ninth grade, all the boys in my class had a contest, but it was reverse. We were going to go with who could get the most times in one day. Of course, we also used the honor system, which was a terrible system given how much rampant cheating we all did in school. The ultimate winner claimed 13 Akiva. I mean, this guy, somebody this tell Prince Tommen. Yeah, that's the record. Oh, oh my, my God. God. 13. I don't know if he's a winner if he did 13. I'd like to know what the stakes were for this. Uh, Chester, please uh, let us know. Was there <laughs> drug testing? Do they need to Was test the- for do they need to test for performance enhancing substance for 13? 13. Yes. Oh, my God. It's impressive. In a day. In one day. Was um, that guy in school that day? He must have had to stay home, right? Boy. I might you. It would be hard to imagine that you could get school in in that day. Yeah, I don't think. I mean, listen. I mean, I guess thirteen times fifty three seconds. You know, for right. Kramer, that works time wise. But I'm not sure if biologically that works. Yes, I'd like to know also from Chester who came in second. Yeah, did, was was it like was, was he close? bearing the lead? Was he was he the guy? I don't think. He was the guy. <laughs> okay, you know him better than I do. I don't know. I, I didn't know him in ninth grade. Yeah, was like. Some Minnesota high school or something. <laughs> okay. All right, Akiva. That's the contest. Uh, yeah, that's uh, it was exciting. That was exciting. All right, Akiva, what's coming up next week? Next week, we have another episode. A lot of people think it's a classic. Some people don't like it. The airport. Which one is the airport? That's where Jerry's in first class and Elaine's in coach. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Uh, we will talk about that. You know, anything's a letdown after the contest. No, it's a good episode. This is really one of the best stretches of the whole series. Cause you got the, the pick the week after that, which is, you know, an episode people really like. Yeah. So, uh, you know, nothing but gold coming up. Yeah. And I like to stop at the duty free shop. Yeah. I like to, I like to stop at the duty free. <laughs> all right. So we will be back next week to talk about all of this. All right. Uh, special thanks to Mike Moore, who does uh, such a great recap every week of these episodes, of course, to Scott for editing these podcasts to uh, Scott St. Pierre. Uh, you can send us your emails about the airport uh, for next week. That's at Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Follow Akiva on Twitter. He's at Key26. I am at Rob Sistrinino. And we have so much more coming on Post Show Recaps. Do we have a, do we have a hashtag? Oh, a hashtag. Yeah. Oh, we got to have a hashtag for the contest. Um, Did we say Google incognito or something like that? Uh, incognito mode. Okay, that's good. <laughs> was that was the hashtag? Okay, uh, incognito mode, uh, or uh, yeah, we don't need to get into Chester's thirteen times, right? No, no, okay. no, I don't. All think. right, all right, <laughs> all right, everybody, have a good one, and we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. Bye.